0: All of the sanctity of speech, I just a very appropriate piece of Gemara to leave you with as I go away for a, a, a week or so uh, traveling. Uh, just a beautiful Devar al to leave you with. We learn in, on Daph Lamed Omer Rav Kahana, there was a, a, a story told by Rav Kahana, and some say it was Rav Yehuda in the name of Rav. Uh, There was a man who, in the time of recession, gave a gold coin to a widow to, to, to look after it for him. So she wanted to hide it away so it wouldn't get stolen, and she hid it in her flour. And by mistake, she baked it into a loaf of bread. She used the flour and forgot about the gold coin. And she baked it into her bread, unatanala ani, and she gave the loaf of bread to a poor person who must have had a wonderful day. Later on, the owner of the of the golden coin came and asked her for the coin. please give me my coin. Amralla pechad mi mi I swear to you, I've never had any benefit from that dinar. I don't know where it is, but I never did anything with it. And if I'm telling a lie, let my son die. There was, it didn't take very long, and one of her children died. If a person who takes a, a, an oath in truth, and truth says, look at the consequence of that. How much more if one swears falsely? My time, in fact, asked the Gemara, why was she punished? She didn't, she really, she said, I didn't benefit from it. Well, she didn't benefit from it. What, what was wrong? She wasn't accurate. Because the volume of the dinner, she saved as much flour as occupied the volume of the dinner. So there was a fraction of a cent of value that she gained by baking the dinar into her bread, which she didn't think of at the time of the neder. It wasn't, it wasn't important. So you see from there the degree of, of accuracy that, that Hashem requires us to have when we do it, when we make a neder. When we speak in day-to-day speech, the Hashem tolerates a degree of inaccuracy. We've spoken recently about exaggeration and how careful one has to be with exaggeration. Uh, and any form of, of, of dishonesty in one's Dibur, in the way one speaks. But uh, Hashem tolerates a certain amount of, of unintentional inaccuracy. But, but when it comes to a Shavua, if you elevate your speech, if you dial it up to the power of a Shavua or a Neder or a Klala, then there's no tolerance. Then you're actually accepting a level of exactitude that is almost humanly impossible to adhere to. And although she she so asked the Gemara, but then she did she didn't swear truly. Why does the Gemara say, why? Well, if, if somebody who swore in truth, this is what happens. What happens if you swear in a lie? She didn't swear in truth. There was actually a lie, an unintended lie in her shwoa. says the Gemara, but it's as if she was telling the truth, because in terms of what she meant and what was understood by her Shvua, both her give, saying the shvur and the recipient, we talked yesterday about communication being not only what you say, but what is heard. Even the person who hears it understands that what she means is, I didn't spend your dinner. And that's what she means. And that's true. She didn't spend the dinner. Nevertheless, since there's a fraction of dishonesty, unintended deceit in the words, such a terrible, pl- a terrible punishment comes to her. And then further on, the Gemara says, This is a case where a, a, a widow comes to a rabbi barunin, she's claiming money from the Ksuba, and she, he says, I'm sorry, in this particular case, I can't help you. And then she says to him, she says to him, Amraleh, um, uh, she said to him, Afkhuah uh, may your chair be turned over, and Rashi says a different perushim as to as to what that means. Uh, and does it mean that you should be have have to mourn, or does it mean that you should lose your status? That the, the chair on which you sit should be turned over, and so she curses him. So they turned the chair over of of Barav uh, Baravchana. They turned it over and put it up so that her curse is fulfilled, at least in the literal sense of the word, so it shouldn't have any any further effect. But that didn't help Rabba Baravuna escape the force of her curse, and he became ill. So we see from here the unbelievable power of words, what you can do with words. You can kill people with words. You can cause illness with words. And certainly the other way around as well. You can cure people with words. You can cause broche with words. That's the power of, of Dibur. And the uh, and we've, we've just finished with Maseches Nidorim not long ago. And the whole of Nidorim is around the power of words. And you remember we learned the run at the beginning of Nidorim that the whole idea of a neder of an oath, is learned from Hektish, the fact that you can make something holy. And once it's holy, you can't use it. So you can make something asur, which means... That, that with Nadarim, we learn the power of the mouth to change the metaphysical quality of the world. You can change an object. Just as with physical force, you can change the physical dimensions of an object, with the force of one's speech, one can change the spiritual dimensions of an object and turn it from Mutari into Asur, from Chol into Kodesh. That's a power which we have. And the power comes from Hashem creating us and And the human being became a living being says What is a living human being? Somebody who has the power of speech, which comes from Hashem breathes into man the power to speak. The power to speak connects us to Hashem. That's, that's like breathing right into you. We know how, how when people breathe into one another, we just come out of a pandemic. We know how that connects people and how you can infect people negatively with breathing into them. And, and certainly positively, we can do the same. So Hashem breathes into us and infects us, so to say, with the Ruach Mamalala, with His power of communication, which now humans have. And through our power of communication, we connect with Hashem. We see, uh, there's a uh, case in White Cotton, on Yud Ches, there's a matmonim on this, on this as well, where there was a case where the brother, Pinchas was the brother of Mar Shmuel, and he was sitting shiver. So Shmuel went to, to comfort him, and he saw that his nails were long, and he says to him, why are your nails long? It says, shiver, you're allowed to cut your nails. So he says to him, if you were in my situation, would you sit and cut your nails? Would you be worried about your grooming? So Shmuel says to him, Careful with your words. Don't say that. What did you just say? If you were an Ovel, would you be careful? Don't say that. Because there's a, that, that's like a Kishkagashi Yotze Shalit Kohelet says, If a king legislates by mistake, that still becomes law. So when a tzaddik says something, that becomes real whether he intended it or not and Shmuel was sitting shiver a little while later and Pindicus went went up and and, uh, and was Malakhmov the other way around and uh, and he's really upset with uh, with his brother, and he says, "Letlach brit krtalis for Do you not hold of the principle of brit for time that once a tzadik says something, that becomes embedded in the mitzuyot; it becomes embedded in reality. You can't undo it. And we learn that from the case of Avram when Avram says to his servants, to Eliezer, Shvulachem po va'ani atpo. He's supposed to bring Yitzchak as, as a as an oiler. and he says to his to his servant, wait here and we will come back to you. That we will come back to you was what gave Hashem, so to say, the power to do the miracle and save Yitzchak. And that's in fact what happened, says the Baal Not only is that what happened at that time, but this is what gave us the power of Tshuva, that you can change Hashem's Gezerah with the power of speech, even unintentional speech. Just by saying something. You change reality by saying something. You not only change reality down in this world, you change reality in Hashem's world. The, um, the whole question of whether, whether speaking is, is a, a, a miser or not, but that power is a power that we see in, in Shemot when it says uh, parah came chasing after Bnei Israel, They're at the sea. parahs is behind them. The seas in front of them. They're terribly afraid. What did they do? They were very afraid. And they shouted to Hashem. And they said to Moshe, there caves, aren't the graves enough in Bitzrayim? You had to bring us here to die. And on that, the Mechilta mm-hmm. says, mm-hmm. They took upon themselves the umanut of their fathers, which was tfilah. What is an umanut? An umanut means one of two things. It can mean, from, it can mean the art, from, umanut is art, and it can mean a trade. And so what, what umanut means is it's a trade that defines you. If a person is a, is a tailor, you do, it doesn't define him. He's a Talmud Chochem, he's a bentura, he's a father, he's a husband, he's a grandfather. Not a tailor. A tailor is what he does. But he's not a tailor. But if a person is an artist, that does define him. Somebody says, who are you? What are you? I'm a pianist. I'm a, I'm a poet. I'm a painter. It defines when it's your art. It defines who you are. Tfilah defines us. Tfilah is not something we do at certain times. And the the, the Rebbe says in, in Likutei Tishus, he's an amazing master of Rashi. Lebavitcher Rebbe, in our generation is the master of, of Rashi, and he explains that what Rashi is concerned because Rashi brings the mechilta. So what Rashi is concerned about here is why are they praised for davening to Hashem? They daven to Hashem because they were terrified. Surely their terror should be a lack of bitachon. Hashem has, has promised you; you'll be okay. Surely the terror is a lack of bitachon, and why is the fact that they davened, they prayed out of terror, considered a praiseworthy thing? And it explains the Levavat Cherev because a Jew doesn't pray out of need. A Jew doesn't. He, we pray that we do it all the time. That's how. That's what we do. We daven. We daven and we learn. We use our mouths. We we daven and we learn. That's what a Jew does. And so even though I could sit back and say, well, Hashem has told me this is all going to be good. No need to daven. We don't daven because I have to daven because if I don't daven, it won't be good. No, even if I know it's going to be good because Hashem promised me it's going to be good, I'd still daven because that's what a Jew does. A Jew davens. That's umanut avote, avotenu biyadenu. That trade, that capacity of the, human, of, of the Jew to do what our forefathers taught us, to be prayers. That's what we do. We are prayers, we are daveners, and we are learners. We, we say the words of Torah all the time. The words of Torah are in our minds all the time. We daven, we're in communication with Hashem. That's how we connect to Hashem. There is no other way we learned. Not so long ago, we learned that that is the way a Jew connects. We don't connect by standing in nature and looking at the wonders of nature. Yes, that's also a way of admiring Hashem, but that's not deep connection. You connect with somebody by communicating with somebody. And we don't philosophize about is there a God or isn't there a God? I mean, is there a God or isn't there a God? I'm talking to him. Why would I be talking to God if there isn't a God? It doesn't trouble us. The question is not an issue because we're permanently connected to Hashem. And our connection, our umbilical cord with Hashem is our tefillah, is the koach hadibur, is the power of our mouths. That's what we have. That's the power of the mouth to affect change and to change reality because we have this connection to Hashem and to Hashem's entire universe through the koach hadibur. And that's what we say on, on Yom Kippur. In the in the Zaka that we say before Yom Kippur, that's a prayer that was, was composed by the Chaya Odom, the Rav of, of Vilna. and it's through the power of speech that you distinguished us from animals. That's what we can do that animals cannot do. We can connect to the divine through the power of our mouths, through tefillah and Talmud Torah. We can correct with, connect with the divine. No animal can do that. And I've been worse than an animal. I've spoken bad language. I've spoken lashon hara. I've got involved in machlokis. I've challenged, I've, I've disgraced my friend. I've cursed my friend. I've benefited from feeling good because I've brought somebody else down. I've spoken business on Shabbos and Yom Tov. Here we've got our Shvuot on the Darim. That's what we say on Yerav Yom Kippur. Hashem gave us a mouth, uh, our mouths to separate us from animals, and we've been even worse than animals in the way we've utilized our mouths. How careful we've got to do, it. how much we've got to realize, not just careful out of out of fear, but to realize the power of the mouth. We have, there's nothing more powerful than any human being has as an instrument of change than the power of speech. We can inspire people. We can bring people up. And we can bring people down. That's what we can do with our power of speech. We can change the Mitsuute, we can create, Reality and we can damage reality. We can connect to Hashem and we can disconnect to Hashem. All of that through the power of our our speech, through through the Koach Hadibur, and therefore, when this woman says something so innocently. She doesn't mean anything at all, but it's the koach ha with the power of a she says something which is distorted, something which isn't accurate, and she's rammed her dibur up to the level of shvoah, how careful one has to be and, and realize. So now as we're going into to, to davening, to realize every word that you say in the davening, the power of each word is to change reality. And throughout your day, to be aware of every word that you say, the power of your word, to connect with the divine, to connect to Hashem, or to disconnect, to inspire another human being, to cheer up another human being, to uplift another human being, or to uplift an object, a thing, anything that you do with a koach hadibur is something which has a permanent impression on the world around us and on the people with whom we engage.